This is the Australian Hunting Podcast, hunting, shooting and fishing radio on the AHP Digital Radio Network. Visit us at australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Here's the host of the show, Jason Selms. Welcome back to AHP. Thank you for joining me. I do appreciate it. And all the people that support me on Patreon. If you want to be a Patreon member, support me financially, that'd be fantastic. You can go to patreon.com forward slash AHP and get all the podcasts in advance of the general listenership. I want to thank all the Patreon supporters that support me. Uh, It really is uh, uh, from the bottom of my heart appreciative uh, being able to support the show and uh, putting your money into this show. And I really do appreciate it, guys. So thank you very much. Uh, today I've got coming up on the show Fraser Anning. Now, guys, I had to re-record this intro with Fraser because literally I recorded this podcast uh, on Thursday, the the twenty fifth of October, and had a really had a good discussion uh, with Fraser on on all things why he left One Nation, uh, why he decided to join Catters Australia Party. But I mean, literally on Friday, the twenty sixth of October, there seemed to be an issue within Catters Australia Party, and unfortunately, Fraser Anning has left. Catters Australia Party and will be going back to becoming an independent senator again. So during the show, you're probably going to hear me talk about why he joined Catters Australia Party, which obviously at this stage is not going to be relevant. And I thought I'd just give you a heads up uh, before we actually get into the show with Fraser. Now, I've got to admit, I really actually enjoyed talking to Fraser Anning. He seems like a really nice guy. He loves shooting guns, which is absolutely fantastic. And he's a big supporter of the shooting sports in this country. We talk about lots of things. We talk about the 19 1996 National Firearms Agreement, whether he handed guns in during the steal back in 1996, and also what sort of sports uh, he participates in in the shooting industry and community. And to be honest, talking with Fraser, he does seem to be quite pro-gun, which is great. Uh, We also talk about things like airsoft as well, and uh, the push for having airsoft in Queensland by a couple of guys up there in the organisations trying to push for airsoft in this country. Again, guys, which totally makes sense. So I hope you guys enjoy the show with Fraser Anning. I'm going to bring him on. Fraser Anning, welcome to AHP. Thanks for joining me. I do appreciate your time in uh, coming onto the show and having a chat to me. Thanks. Yeah, thanks very much for uh, inviting me, Jason. Absolute pleasure. Mate, tell us about yourself. I want to find out more about Fraser Anning. Some people may not have heard of you, so give us a bit of a rundown about who Fraser Anning is. Uh, all right. Uh, born on a, or brought up on a cattle station, sixth generation of uh, cattle people. My wife met her and she lived a couple hundred kilometres away on another cattle station. So, um, you know, worked on that until uh, around about uh, 25 after being, you know, going to school in the city um, and then found that uh, there's no money in cattle. At that time, there wasn't. There was uh, (laughs) poor cattle, poor poor seasons and low cattle prices and uh, couldn't raise a family on a a cattle station, uh, which is what's happening with a lot of the poor buggers out there now. So, um, you know, we were sort of forced to uh, leave and get ourselves work in the city. Um, And I got into uh, hotels there and, uh, you know, into the hotel industry and I did that for 30-odd years. Uh, I was in the aviation industry. for uh, I've been flying all my life, so got into uh, manufacturing there for a fair while, building little aeroplanes and, uh, and Caloundra. And, um, you know, so Joe was our patron of that, that company, who was another old bush pilot. Pretty much that's it, I guess. Uh, spent a fair bit of time in America over the years, worked there and, uh, you know, loved the, loved the uh, country. And uh, But, you know, always came back and um, stayed in the hotel industry and the aviation industry and, 
and then uh, got into politics. What do you like about America? I find it's a, a free country. It respects the rights of you know citizens, which is a big one to me for to be able to defend yourself. I think that's a big one. But what do you like about the United States? Well, just those things, you know, very, uh, very free country. You're free to say what you want to say. And, um, you know, it's, it's a lot freer than Australia. Uh, also, cost of living is so much lower. They, um, they don't have the welfare system that we have where the tax is ever out of existence. Um, you know, things are like petrol's probably a third the price of here. Uh, you know, travel, cars, accommodation, food. Everything seems to be cheaper. You have a, a, they do have a better standard of living, and that's what we should have here, and that's uh, what I'd like to see happen in Australia again. But um, unfortunately, we've sort of gone down this socialist road too far. We've got to turn it around and bring it back. Mm. Have you always lived in Queensland, or have you lived in other parts of Australia? Uh, no, mainly in, uh, always in Queensland, uh, you know, rural and regional Queensland. Uh, or it just depends wherever the hotels were. I've had some pubs down in New South Wales, so um, you know we lived down there for a while uh, with those. But ninety um, percent uh, of the time in Queensland. It's interesting. My friend Aaron is from Queensland. He's always telling me he says New South Wales. He goes, you know, New South Wales is done with me. He said, time to move to Queensland. Do you think he's right or? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm not going to get into those debates. Uh, there's good and bad in all of them. Uh, you know, the the traffic in in uh, Sydney is pretty shocking if you get out into those western suburbs. But then Brisbane's not all that much better right now. We've we've brought in so many people, and our infrastructure is so far behind that um, wherever you go, you're going to be uh, struggling to get around. When you're talking about cattle stations when you were younger, was that family owned, or you were just working on them? And how's that different from you know cattle stations back then to cattle stations today? Uh, yeah, all well, family-owned stuff. You know, we, we got out there in 18, my great-great-grandfather or whatever it was, 1860 up in the Charters Towers area before there was a Charters Towers and um, settled a 1,000 square mile there. In those days, you could take up land in Queensland and um, peg it out and it was yours and uh, you could take a 1,000 square miles at a time. So uh, he took a 1,000 square miles and then had seven sons. They all took another 1,000 right around it. So they had a big chunk of Australia, of Queensland um, but, you know, then, of course, uh, women in those days were not allowed to hold land. So, you know, a lot of those guys had daughters and they lost a lot of the land. But, yeah, the stations are similar to now. I don't think they've, been, you know, they've advanced much since then. Yeah, absolutely. You, you've probably been, you know, around Queensland a fair bit, not only just recently, obviously, as a senator, but many years ago too. How is the drought at the moment affecting farmers in Queensland? It's it's pretty uh, tragic. The further south is worse, you know, than where we were. It's still pretty bad where we are, you know, in uh, around the Richmond, up towards the Gulf and stuff. But as you go further south, the drought seems to be worse. And um, you know, realistically, we can we could have changed that uh, 80 years ago with the Bradfield scheme and the revised Bradfield scheme. Um, I, I don't know if you know, Jason, but it, it, uh, North Queensland was a country would be the wettest country on earth. And uh, just across a little range called the Great Dividing Range is the driest continent on Earth. And uh, a 10-year-old kid could sort of uh, tell you how to fix that, just get the water from one area to the other, which is is eminently doable. Um, Mr Bradfield, you know, who designed the Sydney Harbour Bridge and the Story Bridge, uh, had the Bradfield scheme designed in 1938. So uh, we've been talking about it for quite a long time. It really needs to happen. And uh, that would change Australia for forever. We'd have the biggest uh, food-producing area in the world, and um, and we'd feed Australia's, you know, for hundreds of generations to come. And we'd uh, also be able to, uh, you know, sell it to other other countries and create uh, great wealth for for uh, Australia. But 
of course, the Greens don't like anything like that, you know, because uh, they'll, they'll block anything that maybe would uh, be good for Australia. Yeah, we're not uh, generally big fans of the Greens on this show. They're always <laughs> trying to take away more of our rights and... Uh, you know, exactly. I, I see. I see. You know, firearms ownership as a right. You know, some people disagree with me. You know, some shooters in this country, but I think you know, self-defence, owning a firearm, shoot. You know, is a right if we're you know over the age of eighteen and we don't have a criminal record and we're of sound mind. You know, mm-hmm. we, we have a right to own a firearm. But tell us, how, how did you get interested in running for politics? Why politics? Um, well, I, I could see where Australia was going. I think, and uh, you know, it was concerning that we were going so far down the this socialist road. You know, and um, you know, I thought, well, maybe. Uh, I could do something. I'm not sure that uh, uh, it's easier said than done. I can tell you when you're in a room full of people who uh, don't agree with you on a lot of things. But um, it's something that, uh, you know, was just concerning me because I've got kids and they've got kids. And, um, you know, we need to keep Australia, you know, I would have thought the way it was. I thought it was pretty good 50 years ago. But, um, you know, these uh, left-wing people have uh, decided otherwise and they're they're, uh, pushing us further and further to the left. And uh, right now I think we've got a a left-wing party and a socialist party and a communist party running the country and uh, not many, nothing in the middle and and definitely nothing to the right except for a few um, uh, protest-type parties or conservative parties like, you know, I guess ourselves, One Nation, Cory Bernardi, those sort of things. and and I think we and that's the only reason we're there is because people are sick and tired of of where the country's going. Do you think the Liberals? I mean, interesting. I guess this is about politics. Do you think Liberals? You know, under, I guess under Tony Abbott now, Malcolm Turnbull now, Scott Morrison. Do you think they're a Conservative Party? Never, no, absolutely not. I think they've they've hijacked the the vote. The people who voted for them were hoping for some sort of uh, a Conservative Party, and uh, uh, they've been uh, cheated. And I, I think we're seeing the demise of the the Liberals. Really, they're in huge disarray and uh they're they're definitely not liberal they're they're so close to the the labor party there's not a cigarette paper between them so and i see the votes every day and i see where they where they stand on everything that may be uh, conceived as being um uh, perceived as being conservative and they vote against it so they've lost their way they've been hijacked by the the left wing in the liberal party and um, the decent ones among them have just been dragged along for the ride because they, I guess they want to retain their seats. That's the sad part, I think, Fraser, that I, I haven't voted for a major party and oh, I'm 37 now since I, I was probably 18. It was in my, and I've got no shame of saying this, I was young, my parents voted Labor and I just thought that was the thing to do until I got into firearms, then realised, well, you know, Labor hate firearms, you know, after the John mm. Howard debacle of taking, you know, our rights away in 1996, well, I can't vote for them either. And it's kind of mm. sad because I guess I was listening to a few radio stations today and pretty much it's going to be very hard I, I would say impossible for Liberal to hold on to you know government especially federal government obviously and uh, mm. you know but what's the alternative you know, Bill Shorten God help us all Bill Shorten gets in and becomes Prime Minister of Australia there you know there's a myriad exactly. of issues with that economics immigration you name it we're going to have major exactly. problems it, 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 you know if anything it's going to be obviously it's going to be worse but um, exactly yeah you're right you know and look the Labor Party Jason is not the, the decent party it was 30 40 50 years ago who were out there who were working for for the working guy and and uh, trying to look after him and and still getting on with uh, with big business and uh, and the corporations so that everyone sort of seemed to win and now it's confrontational and uh, they, they are so far left it's not funny they're pretty much puppets of the Greens, of course. They need the Greens to be able to, to uh, you know, get into power and stay in power. So 
you know, they have to kowtow to them all the time. And, um, you know, because the Greens are just straight communists. (laughs) Exactly. Now, I remember when you took over, obviously, Malcolm Roberts. I've actually had him on the show before, actually, but with a a number of politicians as well. And he lost uh, his seat to, you know, the dual citizenship debacle. I think it might have been, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't want to put words in uh, your mouth. Uh, You you were a one-nation senator, I think, for the same day you were put into parliament. So tell us about just a, a quick, I guess, synopsis about that for people that might not know. You became an independent. And then also, I guess, an extra question of what made you want to join Qatar's Australia Party? Yeah, well, I was with One Nation for a long time when uh, One Nation sort of had a, a good direction. Uh, she was, uh, Pauline was saying the right things and, uh, you know, that's the way we were. It seemed like everything was fine. But, uh, you know, then uh, recently it's it's changed a lot. She's flipping and flopping a, a fair bit. Um, and on the day, uh, you know, well, first I was uh, told to step aside one and two uh, to fire four good um, people who are working for Roberts on his staff, and uh, you know I was not about to fire people just because uh, their their crime was that they'd called me in America while I was in America uh, to see what was going to happen. You know if Roberts went well, he was already bound to go out, and uh, she saw that as being um, uh, you know disloyal, which was just nonsense. So I said, well, there's no way I'm going to just fire four people because they called me on the phone. And uh, anyway, so that was that was how we parted ways. Mm. Um, KAP is a is a good sort of a Christian conservative party. They're focused on a fair bit on rural and regional Queensland. They're very interested in infrastructure building. Um, <clears throat> so you know they're the you know things. Uh, they're also very uh, in, involved or, or we're dedicated to not having uh, foreigners own all our our big uh, infrastructure, our utilities, our rail. Our gas pipelines, our ports, you know, we want Australians to own that. Um, like, you know, this uh, Galilee Basin, that railway line has to be owned by Australians. You know, we can't just let somebody else own it and then dictate terms to who can put coal on it and who can't and all that sort of stuff. Galilee Basin is one of the biggest coal uh, areas. Well, it is the biggest in Australia. So um, it's important that uh, that's important to KAP and, and it's important to me. Renowned for their strength, reliability and attention to detail, Moroku shotguns are the perfect example of what a sporting shotgun should be. Moroku have been producing quality products for over a century and sold in Australia since 1963. Each Moroku shotgun is crafted with precision, from the MK Trap and sporting models to the all-round best-selling field shotgun, the MK70. Visit morokushotguns.com.au for more details and stockists. I know we've got to mention it because the ridiculousness, as you would know, of the of the media in Australia, left-leaning media, I, I think every single one of them is left-leaning. So you came into Parliament, you gave, in my opinion, a great speech. You know, the, the media completely blow it out of proportion, talking about, you know, white supremacy and Hitler and the final solution, which I thought I knew exactly what you were talking about. Even though I grew up in Western Sydney, I'm, I'm not a moron. I can understand what you were saying completely, yet the media runs with it. What did you think of that whole debate? about the media and you know what I liked about you Senator I really enjoyed I think you're on one of the might have been the Sunrise program I can't remember which one you're on actually I was just looking at it just recently and they said to you you say you you know I think it was a female that was interviewing you and she said so you're not sorry and you said no I haven't really done anything wrong so no I won't be apologizing and I thought it was great yeah no I had two or three of those um, lefty uh, clowns asking me to apologize which was just dumb Um, what a lot of them didn't realize Jason was that um uh, we got this out of Hansard, the staff, and there's 22 other members of parliament who have used exactly the same two words in speeches that they'd made um, 
from you know as, as recently as March last year, uh, and no one no one broke down in tears, no one was hugging and kissing, and uh, you know in the in the hall of sorrow down there in the in the uh, lower house. Uh, so you know it, it was a it was a beat up, and um, they took two words out of context. Uh, and funnily enough, all the people who made speeches, these impassioned speeches, they think, you know, virtue signalling to all their, what they thought were their constituents, uh, were the, you know, the Labor, Liberals and Greens. And um, about a month before, I'd put a motion to stop funding the Palestinian Authority. You know, Australia sends $43.8 million, uh, this year to the Palestinian Authority who use money to pay the slave program. So, you know, if you, if you kill some... Uh, uh, innocent bloody women and children in Israel, and that you get paid for that by these uh, this Palestinian authority. And mm. um, when I when I put the motion to stop funding them, uh, the whole lot of those people voted against it. You know, so there was you know, if there is anyone anti-Semitic, then uh, it's the people who voted against those sort of um, motions that I've I've put on uh, in the Senate. It's interesting the whole connotation of of just offence in general. I think I mean you know anyone that took offence to that, and then when they're saying, well, are you still going to apologise because people are offended? It's like why would I apologise because somebody's offended? That's up to them. That's an an emotional. That's- uh, response. I mean, you know, I think David right. Lionhelm actually said it the best. I mean, choose a different response. You know, for, exactly. Choose not to feel offended. You'll be uh, probably probably a lot happier too. <laughs> well, that's right. And look, people are entitled to be offended, and you can only take offence. You don't give it. Um, and you know, if if somebody, it's not a terminal condition, so they'll, I'm sure they'll get over it. You know, uh, but you know, it, it seems like in our politically correct world, everyone's offended over something or another. You know. Or, I reckon people are just going to have to harden up a bit, you know, and uh, and uh, get over those sort of things and stop being offended, you know, exactly what you're saying, you know, pick yeah. another emotion. Exactly. And, and I guess a supplementary question to that, uh, obviously the Pal- Palaszczuk government, they decided to, based on that, well, this is allegedly based on that speech, they decided to, you know, take some workers out of the office of CAP and, you know, basically good, good probably innocent people just, you know, lost their jobs for no reason. Can you shed any more light on that or...? Yeah, well, that was that was just madness. Uh, they were supposed to denounce me for those two words, and uh, in in the Queensland, that the 22 I, I referred to who've used in them in their speeches were federal. Uh, so we got the uh, Hansard for for the state government. 17 people, 17 members of parliament have used the same two words, and no one's ever asked them to you know to denounce uh, be denounced over it. So. Uh, she made a big mistake there. It was said in uh, parliamentary privilege that, that the words she took out of context. And um, so, you know, she's been referred to the uh, ethics committee over that because um, the triple C here found that uh, she she was in breach um, and uh, that she could have breached uh, Section 60 of the uh, Criminal Act, whatever it is. And uh, so she's been referred then to uh, the ethics committee by Pitt, the speaker. So, uh, you know, she'll have to answer for that, you know, whether she gets a slap over the wrist or nothing at all, I don't know, but at least, you know, they've recognised the fact that, you know, she had no right to do that. Mm, a loss of a job would be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> oh, it'd be a great thing for Australia, you know, I mean, she, she's a disaster. She and her coven of witches, the other two who uh, who have brought in this uh, late-term abortion bill, which, uh, you know, they keep on saying 22 weeks, but uh, what's behind it is actually right up to, to birth, and that's that's a criminal thing, you know. They, uh, if somebody runs over somebody in the street, a woman who's pregnant, uh, 22 weeks pregnant, you can be charged with two cases of manslaughter, and yet they're they're wanting to terminate uh, babies at uh, 40 weeks, and and also uh, for on social grounds. You know? So uh, 
you know, I think that's a bloody uh, terrible thing to be doing in Australia. Federal election, I guess, probably is not going to be too far away. As far as I'm aware, you'll probably be up for renewal as well to retain your seat. You'll probably be coming up, I think, probably against Malcolm Roberts and other One Nation people and other parties as well. Are you ready for a big fight? You ready for the, you know, the big jousting period of the campaign? <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm always ready for a fight. Um, yeah, you know, we'll we'll do our best and. Um, see how we go with them, I guess. Uh, you know, our policies against others, I think, you know, we're uh, probably a, a bit more um, uh, sort of straight down the line conservatives and than uh, Roberts and his party. We're not sure exactly where he's going to be on a, or they're going to be on a week-by-week basis. They tend to chop and change a lot. So, uh, you know, I think we're sort of, a, I believe we're a better alternative. An interesting one I wanted to, to tackle as well. I thought it was great. You bought a bill before Parliament uh, for self-defence. And uh, interesting, there's a lot of virtue signalling from, you know, Liberal, the Greens, uh, uh, Labor, obviously, Labor. as well. And, you know, this is the thing. I'm big on self-defence. I mean, guess what do you think of the Greens? And, and did you think, is there their response regarding self-defence? Is it surprising to you? I mean, I'm looking at real things to be able to help women and empower women, which is what you're obviously hoping to do as well, I presume. And, uh, you know, again, they talk about all these things and all these measures about men not raping. But what about actual proper measures that will actually try and keep women safe and give women an actual chance. Exactly. What I, what I asked for was, you know, that um, uh, since we've had 24,957 uh, sexual assaults last year, I thought it wasn't a bad idea, you know, to uh, allow women, uh, especially the ones, well, all women, but, you know, a lot of, a lot of women finish work at the hospital at two in the morning or, or in the hospitality industry and different things in there. They are in areas that can, uh, you know, can be seriously dangerous, especially now in, in cities like uh, where they've brought in a lot of uh, uh, different people who are pretty um, barbaric. And uh, so I said, you know, there's no reason why, uh, you know, a woman shouldn't be able to carry pepper spray, mace or, or a personal taser device. And, uh, you know, I don't know, Jason, too many men who wouldn't want their mum or their daughter or their wife or their sister uh, to have a fair go and, and at least try and defend herself against some of these guys who are doing some pretty brutal acts. Uh, like I said, 9% higher last year than, than the year before, so it's on the increase. And, of course, uh, you know, we had the, the Labor guy got up, the poor bugger, you know, he's uh, dumb as a bag of hammers, and he's saying, how would, uh, <laughs> how would more weapons make Australia safer? And I said, well, it's not a weapon, you fool. It's a defensive, it's something to defend yourself with. It's not a it's not a samurai sword or a or a pump action shotgun or something. It's it's a it's a it's a small can of mace. And uh, and I said, and what idiot in his right mind would want to go and hold up a Seven Eleven with a little can of mace when he could take a a big knife or a baseball bat or a gun? You know, so they're not a weapon. They're they're something to protect people with. You're not going to be use them using them to commit crimes with. You're going to be using them to try and save your blood, your life. So uh, he was one, and then. I don't know, one of the other Greens got up and she had an impassioned, you know, she was, she was upset about the whole thing. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know, but um, until they until they encounter it and they have their collision course with reality, which, you know, quite a lot of them in Melbourne are having now, uh, you know, they don't feel like they need it. You know, they think, oh, you know, everyone loves each other, but some people don't love you and they, they're there to, uh, you know, cause you harm or rob you or bash you or uh, steal your car or whatever it is.
The new Zeiss Conquest V4 line of high-performance rifle scopes combines tried-and-true Zeiss optics with a rugged and functional design, providing high-definition glass. Enhanced with T-Star and low-to-tech protective lens coatings produces 90% to the eye-light transmission. This means excellent low-light performance and resolution across the entire magnification range. Zeiss Conquest V4 rifle scopes were designed as a lightweight, high-performance scope for demanding hunting and shooting applications. Visit osaaustralia.com.au to find your local dealer. Zeiss, we make it visible. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I think the normal you know, society in Parliament is, is where the crossbenchers sit, obviously, except for, you know, quite, sorry to quote me on it, but Darren Henshaw, <laughs> we'll leave him out of it. He's a whole different kettle of fish altogether. But it seemed the crossbenchers were in support of that. Yet, you know, typically, again, the Labor, Liberal and Greens machine, simply mm-hmm. just not looking to the future, not looking for honest, reasonable ways for women, you know, to be able to defend themselves. That's a very passionate thing right. I've been fighting for for quite a long time, too. And, you know, you. and you know what? I, I'm really not surprised. I'm really not surprised this happened. You've seen women... Yeah, you know, they're being raped and murdered. I've followed the case of, you know, you probably remember Jill Ma, young lady raped and murdered in Melbourne, probably about five, yeah, six, five years girl. ago. Yep. You know, all because a rapist was on the street. 22-time rapist was on the street. Again, that had already committed crime. People say, oh, in, in you know, so many percentages of situations that the person has the item taken off them and used against them. And I said, well, what, what's the morally superior position then? What, to have yeah. nothing? I would at least rather have that item and have a chance of it being taken off me than not have it at all. Absolutely. And, uh, and a little can of mace. I know when we lived in Memphis for a while, which is a pretty bad crime city, and my wife, uh, we had one on her keychain. So as she take her keys out of the car, she puts a thumb on the top of it. Anyone comes, you know, to threaten her, then you know she's already ready to to do something, you know. And uh, it, it it will stop them, you know. It'll it'll get them, and they you know mace is pretty good, and it'll keep them away from you. And you know, look, even if only twenty or thirty percent of those twenty four thousand, uh, nearly twenty five thousand people who were sexually assaulted last year. Uh, you know, there may have been whatever it is, five or six thousand people who hadn't had to go through that traumatic experience. And I know, uh, you know, I'd much uh, prefer my wife or my daughters to have that ability and uh, and maybe save themselves. And I commend you for that. I really do because it just it just totally makes sense to me. And it's actually people actually thinking and doing the right thing. I mean, when do Labor, Liberal, and the Greens? I mean, whenever in history of human beings being on Earth have they? not preyed on each other. I mean, the ideal world, Fraser, would be, yes, we, you know, women say, I should be able to, you know, I live in Western Sydney, I should be able to go at the train station at, you know, 3 a.m. in the morning coming home from a shift. And I'm like, absolutely, you should be able Mm. to do that. But even myself, I wouldn't, necessarily with the issues which you've addressed previously what's happening in melbourne with all the gang and the gang violence i wouldn't feel comfortable and i'm you know 110 kilos and six foot three (laughs) and i wouldn't feel comfortable with you know three or four men coming at me saying hey we've got knives or or weapons or guns i mean what am i going to do what you know all you can do is be a victim and and you know people say the police are there to protect you and they they do the best they can but Basically, the best they're going to get you is a body bag, you know, because they're not going to get there until you know ten or fifteen minutes after the perpetrators are, have left, and they're three or four suburbs away. Um, so you know that that doesn't happen. They'll they'll do the investigation and and maybe chase them down. Then if they catch them, put them through court, and they'll be back out in the street again. Like you said, the twenty-two time offender who had uh, who did that to poor Jill Ma, you know, well um, th- that was uh, that's a tragedy, and there's there's so many of them. It's not funny, and eventually. Um, I, I guess when the bleeding heart liberals 
have had a, a few floggings around Melbourne and places like that, and they start to see it our way, we may have some changes. They think, you know, more laws is the answer. I'm like, this, by definition, <laughs> these people just, that's the whole point. I mean, it's for punishment after the fact. They don't follow laws. There's something wrong with them to want to rape and kill. Like, again, the Greens just, and Liberal and Labor, just again out of touch. Even the pro-gun politicians that I've, you know, interviewed from, uh, you know, nationals, Bridget McKenzie, you know, supporter of the National firearms agreement i mean how can you support a failed policy again these people yep. don't represent the general hunter and shooter and and farmer you know that either listen to this show with, from what i've seen you know they're out of touch with what australians want you know and i guess i've had a lot of hotels 30 odd hotels in my life and spoken to hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people over the years you know in bars and in in cattle yards and in uh, construction and all sorts of places and you know, I know exactly, well, I think I know what they, they want, you know, and they don't want what they've got now, which is why they're so upset. And uh, they want to get their country uh, or keep their country the way they see it should be. And, uh, you know, things like protecting themselves and protecting their family. You know, I believe protecting your family and your house is, is a God-given right, not a not a government-given right. Um, you know, the government shouldn't be telling us uh, that we're not allowed to protect ourselves at You've got to become a victim and become a statistic, and then we'll work it out from there. Well, you know, that's that's just not good enough. And I, I keep telling people, Fraser, it's up to us to vote for parties that best represent our interests. People can't complain in Queensland about what's happening with the laws, which you just you know, spoke about previously, if they're passionate about. And whatever the issue is, if they, in fact, you know, voted Labor into... like It's like they vote for these people, then they go, oh, well, I don't really like what they're doing. Well, why did you vote for them? You, <laughs> well, know, you know, you've only got yourself to blame. And a lot of them, it's, it's what mum and dad did, and then we've always been a Liberal voter or we've always been a Labor voter, but both those parties aren't the parties they used to be. You know, when, when Labor was always good for the working man and, and you know, they're a good, good uh, solid party, and Liberal was always a good Conservative party, and, uh, you know, sometimes I think Liberals had a better idea of, you know, keeping the... Uh, the the budget in order and the balance sheet okay, uh, but realistically, they're neither of those parties are what we thought they were before, and they've they've changed so much, so dramatically, both of them that uh, people are just wondering how the hell did this ever happen? You know, the the left wing have got control in uh, in the Liberals and of course the Labor, and the, you know we've, we've got a problem now. So you know, I think our only hope is is good, solid Christian conservative type parties um that are you know they're smaller but every party has to start somewhere so um you know we which is what we see ourselves as i guess we we're going to keep holding hard to the the good conservative line and uh, uh the things that we've talked about today and and uh, hopefully we get some uh, a good response that's the problem with, you know, again, as I was saying before, rusted on voters can't look away from the, you know, the two major parties because, and I admit, I was like that when I was young for the first election, 18, you know, you know, and I think you're right. I 100% agree. You know, Labor was for the working man. Now it's, you know, identity politics, you know, nothing's, you know, totally different from what they, what they once were. But getting onto the crux of the show, I wanted to talk about firearms, which is the, you know, great thing we talk about here on the show. And you're a shooter. So do you have a firearms license? How long have you been shooting for? And, uh, what type of shooting do you get up to? Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I've been shooting since I, you know, was probably you know the first rifle. I think I was about eight or nine year old, a single shot twenty two, and uh, and then uh, you know shot on the property all the time because we had to keep the the feral animals down and eat, and and even the kangaroos, which are just uh, in plague proportions at times. So we'd shoot every night uh, until we got them under control and skin them and 
um, you know, sell the skins for pocket money. And uh, yeah, so shot all, all that time and I guess uh, then into the army and uh, shot for, for my battalion. And um, and then I've been a, a pistol shooter for uh, probably the last 30 years or so. I, I compete in IPSC, International Practical Pistol Shooting, which is uh, one of the, the best fun sports with a handgun, you know, where you run through the buildings and, uh, you know, things pop up and, you know, every stage is different and it's never the same. So uh, it's a very, uh, it's a good sort of active uh, reaction type, re- reflex type sport. And I use a 38 Super for that. Any other disciplines, you know, shotgunning or rifles? Uh, or when you get an opportunity? A fair bit of, yeah, shooting. I shot shotgun a lot, but uh, mainly for work again, for shooting um, ferals on the place more than going to clay pigeon shoots. I, I shot a bit of that, but um uh, you know, I, mean, I have both pistol and rifle license, so you know, I, I still you know go up and hunt whenever I got a chance up to the peninsula and try and clean up some of those pigs that are killing all our uh, rooting up all the turtles' nests, and they kill all the turtles. And um, uh, I don't know if you know about it, but there's there's I think they they last they reckon there's six million pigs in the peninsula, and uh, they kill all the turtles pretty much from Cooktown North. The government's not doing much about it, and they need to. They need a much better program because the turtles, you know, if they kill them in the nest, you know, as very few turtles survive anyway without pigs rooting up the nest. But uh, they eat the jellyfish, and of course, the jellyfish, like Irukandji and things like that, when they move down to the Sunshine Coast and the Gold Coast, you know, government will all of a sudden think, oh, maybe it's a good time to get rid of the bloody the problem. But uh, so it's always good to go up there. I've got a lot of mates up there on cattle stations. So, you know, they're, they're overloaded with pigs and they're only too happy to have us come up there and shoot a few. I think that's good too. And I commend the Catter Party for that too, talking about a lot of issues surrounding, you know, crocodile culling as well. And I'm like totally 100% for it. I think people should not. I was on the radio one time and I was talking to the environment minister and um, I was talking to him actually on the air and talking about, you know, bringing in a trade of people and charging, you know, bringing in American hunters to, yeah. you know, drive money back sure. into the community into aboriginal communities and i think it'd absolutely be great but you know you've got unfortunately got a bureaucracy where you know rangers just go out and shoot them and let their carcasses rot no money goes back to the community no money goes sure. back to indigenous exactly. affairs which is where it could be going to roads hospitals it can really be going to anything it'd be it'd be great for queensland in general of course it would exactly and and uh, you know hunters uh, hunters who are killing uh, ferals they're doing australia you know, a favour, and um, quite happy to clean up any of the ferals that are that are destroying our country. And uh, the crocodiles are as thick as thick up there now. As the last time I was up there, we saw more crocodiles than I've ever seen in the last you know, for all my life. I think you know they uh, they're um, thick on the ground, and they, you know they are getting people. And uh, you know, I mean, people have got to be a bit more sensible about where they go, but they need to be culled and and brought under control a little bit because you know I guess people are more important than crocodiles. 100% agree with you. In 1996, you know, the Howard government changed the gun laws across Australia, obviously, to what happened in Port Arthur. What do you, what do you think of the decision to change gun laws in Australia? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, being a shooter, I, I, uh, I thought, you know, it was a pretty stupid thing to do. But, um, you know, and realistically, um, uh, you know, every, uh, Jason, every um, brutal dictatorship in history um, you know, like uh, from Hitler and Stalin and Mao Zedong and Pol Pot and Idi Amin Dada, all those people um, started off by disarming their people, their their citizens. You know, now I'm not saying that we're going to have that here, but uh, you know, I think uh, 
uh, if you again in your in your closet, there's who cares? My my father, his father, his father. We've all had you know rifles, L three hundred threes or twenty twos or shotguns somewhere in the house, and uh, you know we we haven't gone out and done stupid things like shoot people in in uh, schoolyards. So uh, I, I think it's it's uh, important that we do have our our firearms. I mean. Uh, we've got uh, different governments now, like we've got China surrounding us a little bit now. We've, they're coming down the islands and um, you know, I'm not saying they're going to do anything wrong, but a decentralised armoury, and that, that is uh, citizens owning firearms, is a great deterrent. Um, I think it was Hirohito, somebody asked him why he didn't invade America and he said, there's a gun behind every bush. And that's that was a fact. There's no way uh, a, a foreign force or a, you know an aggressive force is ever going to attack a, a nation that's that's armed with the citizens who are armed like switzerland of course as everyone in switzerland all the males between 18 and 60 all have firearms given to them by um by their own government and bullets and they're trained how to use them so yep. you know they, it's it's pretty hard to to uh, uh invade a country if, if everyone can can uh, protect themselves and protect their house and their and their uh in their area so it was a disaster i think you know and Howard, I'm sure, was being dictated to by the UN, who pretty much make most of our policy here in Australia now. And, uh, uh, you know, I believe we should be out of uh, Paris and we should uh, be tearing up a lot of those UN agreements. Did you lose any guns during the buyback? Yeah, they, they, uh, I had a 45 that I competed with and a 40 calibre, and uh, they bought both those back. Um, they paid me pretty well for them, but, you know, I was, I was a bit upset to lose my my good old uh, 45 Spring, Springfield Armoury, but I, I did buy then. I had a, um, I bought a nice uh, 38 Super and had it customised to, uh, you know, for competition. Didn't have any other rifles that they bought back. I had, you know, they were all whatever that I had were all legal anyway. There was no semi-autos or anything. I just had 8mm Remington Magnum and a few others like that. Mm, it's interesting when they take these firearms off and they say, oh, but we, you know, we, we gave you money for them. I said, yeah, that, that's if I actually wanted to sell it back to you. When I really didn't, I was only forced to sell it back to you because you made me. So really, it's a steal back in the basic definition. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, it was a, uh, and then to put it on TV, uh, destroying them all, uh, anyone who had designs on, on our country would be laughing all the way. You know, they'd be uh, rubbing their hands and saying, yeah, that's great. We're watching all these firearms being destroyed and we now we know we've got a completely disarmed population, and of course all the criminals, uh, Jason, they they said the same thing. You know, God, we can kick the door in any house. We know 99% no one's going to have anything in there to defend themselves. So, uh, you know, that's uh, and that we've seen that we've seen the, the firearms crime go up. In uh, there's shootings every week in Sydney, Melbourne, and Brisbane. So. And not so much Brisbane, I guess, but Sydney and Melbourne, there's always a shooting down there. Do you think these laws have, have made Australia any any safer than it would have been if we decided not to go down that road? No, I don't think so at all. I think it's 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 less safe, if anything. Um, if you go to, you know, I spend, like I said, a lot of time in America and, uh, you know, the, the states, or sorry, the cities with the strictest gun laws have by far... The highest crime rate, and the cities with the, the you know open carry have by far the lowest crime rate. So uh, it doesn't equate at all. Let's talk about, I guess, some more in depth about you know registration. I've been saying this for some time. You know, registering firearms for good, honest people. 
doesn't really get us anywhere because you know no crimes have been solved from registration. We see Canada just a few years ago, probably three or four years ago, they abolished firearms registration. New Zealand had it for a while back in the mid-1980s, then again abolished it because they said it was just a complete waste of money. And uh, yep. e- even Stephen Harper, the former long-standing Prime Minister in Canada, said, you know, this... This register has not saved one single Canadian life. You know, all the money we've spent on it, we will abolish it. And that's exactly what they did. Um, is there, there's any benefit to registering, you know, firearms for good, honest, law-abiding people? No, none at all. You know, they don't have it in um, – we don't have it in the States. You know, like I said, you know, we live over there, you know, over there a long time. Um, it, doesn't, it doesn't make any difference. You know, a criminal – who wants to kill you somehow or another, you know, if you've got a guy with an AK-47 and he wants to kill people and you take away the AK-47, you've still got a guy who wants to kill you, but he'll probably just find a better way. Like they're now using cars and trucks and buses to kill you, um, you know, the, the really loony type people, and, and they find that they can, they're actually getting a much better kill rate. You know, the guy in uh, the south of France there, I think he got about 89 people or something with a truck. Well, you'd never have done that with a firearm, you know. So uh, you, you don't change the, the the registration and taking away guns doesn't change personalities. It's it's the, the person if he's intent on killing you, he's he's going to find a way to, to to try to kill you at least um, with uh, whatever you know. A Ford pickup in a schoolyard is probably going to do a lot more damage than a than a guy with a semi-automatic. It's interesting. I, I say this a lot on the show, Fraser, too, and we talk about New Zealand. New Zealand hasn't had you know a mass shooting since a very early 1997, around eight to ten months after, the, obviously, the Port Arthur Massacre. I mean, they have all the firearms pretty much that Australia used to have, yet they don't have mass shootings. And then people say, well, these gun laws work by removing you know semi-automatic shotguns and pump-action shotguns and semi-automatic rifles. That stops mass shootings. But as you said, I think I agree with you 100%. Nobody wakes up in the morning. Let's say someone is crazy. They wake up in the morning saying, well, you know, I'm crazy. I want to kill a bunch of people. Oh, hang on. Ah, I can't get access to that semi-automatic shotgun. So, uh, well, you know what? I'm cured. I'm just going to go back to work and just you know, continue my <laughs> life right. as it normally was. I mean, nobody thinks like that. I mean, it's just, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a whole, it's, a fa- it's such a farce. It's not even funny. It, you're 100% right. It, it's, it's exactly that. They... If they wake up in the morning and they want to kill people, then uh, not having a firearm is is not going to stop them. And uh, the black market for firearms, all the, the criminals have got the ones who want them have got the guns anyway. So uh, you know, I can't see any. Uh, there's not much point in registering because all you're doing is taking you know civilian citizens who are not criminals and uh, putting them through a whole lot of uh, stress. It takes about a year to get a, a handgun license now, and you've got to jump through so many hoops just because you want to. You want to compete in a sport, or, or um, you know, go out and use it. Even on properties, I don't think they're now allowing us to uh, guys on properties to carry handguns, which is madness, you know. The Australian Hunting Podcast is the only hunting, shooting, and fishing podcast radio show in Australia. With over forty thousand downloads per month, you are sure to find some information that can help you. If you love hunting, shooting, fishing, and a little bit of politics. The Australian Hunting Podcast has you covered. To listen, check us out on iTunes and visit australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. And I think the criminals too, they must be loving this because as soon as you as soon as you know prohibition happens, I mean a big black market 
flourishes. Mm. And look at exactly. the prices of illegal firearms. And, you know, every year I see, I look at statistics, I see, you know, the police there, every year they're picking up more and more firearms from criminals. Each year it's going up 6,000, 8,000, 11,000 per year. Yeah. And, and it just doesn't that, seem to be stopping. No, you're right. That's right. And, uh, you know, the, the, like I said, the crims, like you said, the crims have got them. And, uh, you know, um, wolves prey on lambs that don't prey on lions. You know, they know that there's... Uh, there's easy pickings there because you know they've got the gun and you don't have the gun and uh, so they can they can uh, they have their way with you straight into the house and uh, or wherever in the street they can hold you up and uh, you know they know 100% you're going to uh, not be able to defend yourself so you know that encourages them to do it you know they in Switzerland you know they have the highest handgun ownership in the world and they have the lowest crime rate of uh, in the world with handguns you know so or with guns of any sort because everyone knows that every house has got one and uh, having that high handgun ownership, uh, you know, who's going to be fool enough to kick somebody's door in or try and, you know, you know come in there and rape your, your wife or your kids or something like that? They, they're just not going to do it. And we just had the, if I'm saying it correctly, I haven't didn't actually hear from, hear about this country. I hadn't heard of it before, but Crimea, if I've got the country correct, I think it's over near Russia somewhere. They had, you know, 19, a guy killed 19 people just, what, about a week ago. Yet in Australia, you know, we, we're not hearing David Koshy down from Sunrise talking about how guns are bad because, you know what, guess what? It didn't happen in America. This is the whole problem. We're seeing a lot, yeah. of, a lot of Western countries, Australia. I mean, even the US, okay, have they got a bit of a separate issue that they need to sort out, you know, socially and morally? Yeah, yeah. Possibly there are some issues there, but uh, all around the last hundred years, they've had a, even the USA has had a dropping homicide rate. Australia's had a dropping homicide yeah. rate. Uh, Canada, Sweden, Switzerland, Germany, New yeah. Zealand, they didn't ban these firearms. And they've also experienced a similar drop in homicide, being our Western countries have had a similar drop in homicide. So how can they categorically say, and I, and I hear this a lot too, Fraser, it's very interesting, they say, you know, Australia, you know, we have the gold standard in, in, in gun laws around the world and, we are, and, we're, and we're envied around the world for our gun laws. And I, and I always ask them, well, well, name one country that's um, installed uh, Australian gold, quote-unquote, gold standard gun laws. And they go, oh, hang on, oh, um, um, and I go, well, the answer is zero. Not one country has installed right. Australian-style gun laws. So that that's obviously tells you how good they really are. Exactly. No one's no one's that stupid. But um, in America, by the way, Jason, everyone thinks that you know it's a, it's a huge crime rate with guns. It's in you know it would, it would be the one of the top five countries or the top ten or it's not even the top fifty. It's not the top hundred. It's a hundred and eleventh in the world for gun crime. Yep. Is uh, the United States of America? And if you took out places like Chicago and uh, and New Orleans and uh, anyway, Washington, D.C. That's right. Take out four cities, and it's it's one of the lowest in the world. And those four cities, by the way, um, Detroit, uh, Chicago, Washington, New Orleans, have the strictest gun laws of anywhere in America. And uh, so you take those those uh, cities out of the equation, and uh, it's gone. And look, you know, I worked over there a long time, like I said, and. Uh, Ninety uh, percent, well, about eighty percent of the the gun crime in uh, Memphis when we were there, which was the highest crime city in America at the time, was the Crips and the Bloods, and it's all over crack cocaine. Um, you know, it's it's always uh, you know shootouts between gangs, and a lot of it's over crack cocaine or just turf wars and stuff like that in South Central LA, and that it's it's turf wars. So, uh, you know, I mean, those guys. That's how they behave. They want to shoot each other. Well, then you know you can't do much about that. But uh, 
t- most of the time that we're in America, uh, you know, my daughters are over there now, uh, you feel totally, I felt totally safe in most cities. Some cities, you you, you know, you carry a, a gun, but uh, most of the place is probably more peaceful than most of Australia. Now, there's an interesting one, Fraser, Airsoft. Now, I'm not sure if you know a lot about Airsoft. Very similar to paintball, where they shoot these little plastic uh, balls at each other. They play games. As I said, very similar to paintball. Now, banned all across Australia. You can do Airsoft. They have competitions all over the world. A lot of the guys that I know just flew over to New Zealand to partake in a big Airsoft competition in New Zealand because, as we know, New Zealand has a lot more sense than we do when it comes to gun laws. And so it's interesting that I can own a real firearm. Say, I'm in New South Wales, so I'll refer to New South Wales. I can own a 50 cal Barrett sniper rifle, but I can't own an airsoft that shoots plastic balls. And I also just interviewed just a couple of weeks ago a young fellow uh, named Brad, and he runs uh, Gel Blasters. He sells Gel Blasters to the community. Now, he's uh, been charged uh, for, by New South Wales Police for selling firearms without a license, not being a dealer. He, he could spend probably the next 20 years in prison for selling toys. I mean, this is the outrage that we're dealing with this country. And, you know, would you support something like airsoft, which is you know, similar to paintball. It's all being played in about 78% of the countries around the world. Yeah, well, of course. You know, I mean, wh- why wouldn't you support something like that if it's a sport and people, I mean, if we've got paintball and, uh, you know, I've, you know, we've been in, I've had a few games of paintball, which is, you know, good fun. It hurts like hell, but um, it's good fun. So, I, I, and I, by the way, I've never seen airsoft. So, but Dave, it's similar there. What the hell? What you know? What harm can that do? What's one of your favourite guns that you own? Any any particular ones that you really enjoy shooting, or one that's a bit of a safe queen that might sit in the safe that you just enjoy looking at? <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Well, my Remington eight millimeter, which I've just sold not long ago, I've had for probably twenty odd years. Eight millimeter Remington Magnum, and um, because we came from big sort of wide open areas, and uh, you know, you wanted it. They're, they're very long range and very hard hitting, and uh, you know that that was uh, my favourite, I guess. Um, you know, if, if you got a uh, up and towards the Gulf, you know, there's a fair few buffaloes and crocodiles and stuff like that. So, um, long range shots, you could uh, make sure that you did uh, kill the animal. You know, it hits very hard and it flies very pretty flat for a long way. So that was probably one of my favourites. But uh, I mean, I've had so many rifles in my life. Uh, I, I don't think I've had too many bad ones. Oh, a couple of old 2520s and some of those old martini actions were a bit ordinary. But um, my, probably the best I have now is my 38 Super. That's a competition handgun. It's a STI and it was you know, rebuilt for me or I had it built by a guy down in Melbourne and it's super accurate with a red dot on the top, a Seymour on it and um, you know the jet funnel and compensator and all sorts of stuff to make it a little bit more accurate. But um, that's that's the one I use all the time now for for shooting. Just a couple, of, I guess, a couple, a couple of supplementary questions before we finish off. What do you? A lot of people come on the show. They love hunting, shooting, fishing. They love their their sports shooting. What is it for you about gun ownership that sort of just keeps you coming back all the time? And what and what do you love about it? Oh well, I guess you know, growing up as a shooter, and uh, and then uh, you know, I've always I've always liked being able to uh, put a bullet where I want to put it, and uh, you know, getting rid of uh, feral animals is probably the, the best part of it you know getting rid of a pig uh, or pigs um i had a mate up there in king junction and that place was lousy with pigs and went up there for two weeks and uh, we just shot pigs every day and uh, and dingoes and and a few few other things that uh you know other feral animals but um yeah i think that's that's uh, it's always a it's a good sport it's a if you're just shooting down at the range you know it's a great 
great sport to see if you can put the bullets in the in the ball um, and it's good for, for kids to grow up with and learn how to shoot and not be afraid of firearms and know how to handle them safely. I think uh, everyone should uh, have that uh, that ability. And my kids, you know, they've been shooting since uh, old enough to, you know, hold onto the gun and, and uh, uh, hit what they want to hit. They're pretty well-adjusted kids. They don't, uh, they don't shoot a lot now because they're over in the States and you know, they're busy with babies of their own. Fraser, just to finish off, first off, thanks for coming on the show. But anything to add to, you know, to finish off, anything you wanted to say, how people can, you know, get involved, how they can vote for Catters Australia Party, how can they be in contact with you guys, where can they look for you on social media, etc.? Yeah, Jason, they can, uh, we've got a, a Facebook page, Senator Anning Facebook page. Um, they can, uh, we'd love them to join KAP, Catters Australia Party. Uh, we need all the, all the support we can get. I think uh, we, we offer a very good Christian conservative alternative to the uh, the major parties who have lost their way. So um, I think uh, you know Facebook tells them where we're at and what we're doing on a day to day basis. We've got a, you know quite a big following on there now. Um, you know we reach a, a million people every or a bit over a million people every uh, week. So. Uh, um, you know, we try and put stuff up that's uh, pertinent and interesting. Um, but uh, we'd love to have them on board as a as a KAP member, and uh, any support they can give us would be uh, very welcome. Uh, you know, we've got to be fighting a, a pretty big battle against some of these other um, left wing parties. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I, re- I remember when you uh, were first on Facebook, I think it was just after you took over from uh, Malcolm Roberts, and you, I think it was the first couple of posts on Facebook. I said, wow, I really like this guy. He's uh, making a lot of sense <laughs> to me. And I thought, and then when I saw it, I kept looking to you over a couple of months, then I thought, I saw more posts that you were putting up, and you didn't like the greens, and I thought, yeah, that's even better. That suits me down to a T. <laughs> and then also I thought to myself, I thought, just the topics you were covering, I thought, you know what, in this environment of politics and the Greens and the major parties, this guy's definitely got some balls, that's for sure, because some of the things you were putting up, I thought it's definitely going to get the Greens uh, short and curlies in a bunch, that's for sure. Yeah, well, that's right. And, um, you know, look, uh, Jason, I think there's a, we've got a situation now where the silent majority have had enough, uh, a bit like in uh, America in 2016, and they um, there's, a, there's a groundswell of... Uh, of people who are coming out and saying what they mean now, and, and uh, you know, my message to people is to keep saying it. Uh, don't let them browbeat you, and don't let the politically correct uh, dictate terms. I, I know that the left-wing media is tries to make opinions for us and decide on what we should be thinking and how we should be thinking, and uh, that's not their job. But uh, the silent majority, uh, and that's who I speak for. Somebody said, "Oh, do you worry about these other people?" I said, "Not at all." Uh, so that I can only speak what I think, uh, you know, what I believe in and what I think a lot of Australians believe in. And if I don't make enemies, then I'm probably not doing the right thing. I'm trying to be a, a politician. And that's what I find down there in Parliament all the time. They're trying to please everyone. And you can't be all things to all men because you'll be nothing to anyone then. And, uh, you know, they all become these career politicians and professional politicians. They're scared of losing their bloody their seats. Uh, but, uh, I'm not that scared of that. Uh, and those... those uh, uh, lefties who don't like it, I don't worry me at all. <laughs> One final question, because you're talking a lot about the states. Uh, I just thought of it just as you were talking about it. Trump fan, yes or no? Oh, God, yeah. yeah great, greatest bloke they've ever had there. Uh, anyone who can't see that, and the Democrats, of course, they can't, but they, they, they wouldn't be happy if you hung them with a new rope. They're, uh, you know, he's the he's a greatest thing that has ever happened to America. I can tell you that the economy's never been better. Unemployment's never been lower. You know, he he's, says what he means and he means what he says and he's doing it. So uh, 
America's, uh, they, they should be thankful they got him. Some of my friends often talk to me, Fraser, and they say, oh, you know, and my work colleagues, and they say, oh, you don't, you don't really, you, you just tell us fibs when you say you like him, don't you? And I said, no, 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 I, re- <laughs> I really like the non-PC, quote-unquote, no bullshit, this is what it is, and if you don't like it, bad luck, this is what we're doing, the best thing for the country, and I love that not politically correct. I think that's what we need in, in politics, man. Good, honest, real people, not career politicians. And I think that's where Trump, is he perfect? Girl, I'm not saying that he's perfect. Has he done things in his past that maybe might not have been good? Possibly. But at the end of the day, he's the president of the United States. And I think he's doing a darn good job. And, you know, it just seems like, and I think in our country too, politics is just getting further, which is sad, actually, further and further divided. Um, and, you know, people just, people just can't see, the, you know, the good job that he's doing. And I, I love that not politically correct uh, perspective. I think it's great. Yeah, hundred percent right. And and our politics is is even in the this party politics, it's non democratic. I have a lot of times, I, I put a motion up in the Senate, and, and blokes will walk past me and they'll say, "Oh, look, mate, I agree with you on this one." And then they continue to walk across the floor. And I said, "Well, where's where's your balls?" You know, I said, "If you agree with me, sit down here." Oh, I can't do that because you know the reason they can't do it is they get dropped, like like uh, Barry was the other day. You know, not not endorsed. Um, you you they they're they're following party lines all the time, and that's that's wrong. That's not what you elected them for, and they're not representing uh, their constituents, and they're not voting their conscience. So um, you know, that's what that's the big problem with those two big parties. And uh, anyway, it'd be good to see them uh, just vote what they believe and. Uh, forget about the consequences. Fraser Anning joins me here on AHP. Fraser, thanks for joining me representing Catters Australia Party. Hopefully up and up for the future and uh, get ready for some hard campaigning towards the next election. Thanks for joining me. Thanks very much for having me, Jason. Uh, it was good to be with you. You've been listening to an episode of the Australian Hunting Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. See you next time.